All right. All right. Hope you met a new friend tonight. Go ahead and take a seat. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Welcome to Somersault. Come on. Yeah. If you haven't met me, if I haven't met you, my name is Timmy Akbaje. I'm on staff here with Saul St. Paul. I love Somersault because it's the one time where we, we get to be with our Minneapolis brothers and sisters. So it's like a family reunion every summer. Super excited to be with y'all tonight. Um, if you're new here, as we said, we'd love to meet you. Come introduce yourselves to us. Um, and we're super honored you're here. We understand being in a space like this can be hard for a variety of reasons. And so we're just honored that you're here with us tonight. Um, for the next four weeks, we'll be going through the book of James. And tonight we'll be in James chapter 1. And uh, some fun facts, quick fun facts about James. James is actually one of my favorite books. That's not one of the fun facts, but I thought you should know that. Um, James is one of my favorite books because of how practical it is. That is a fun fact. It is one of the most practical books in the Bible. Um, another fun fact about the book of James, who is written by, if you guessed James, you're correct, um, <laughs> is that James is known as the half-brother of Jesus, which is pretty crazy to think because imagine being the half-brother of Jesus. Everything that Jesus does, everyone would expect for you to be able to do it. You turn water into wine, and now all of a sudden it's like, what do you do? What can you do? And you're just like, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't do anything. Um, but with that being said, all those crazy fun facts, um, in this passage, in this book, James is really trying to hammer home what does it mean to be a Christian, someone who is deeply transformed by the gospel. And so before we get into the passage, I have a question for all of you. How many of you have heard this saying, talk the talk and walk the walk? Most of you here. Great. Now, if you haven't, I'm not judging you. I just want to meet you after this to understand why you haven't heard it. I'm not, like I said, I'm not judging. I'm just curious. Um, but for clarity's sake, walking the walk and talking the talk means that when you say you're going to do something, that's talking the talk. And when you do it, it's walking the walk and you put them together. You say what you're, you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And so I have a funny story about this, and it involves two people in this room, David and Jalil. And so this is the funny story, all right? So one day, a group of us were getting ice cream, and Jalil was like, yo, let's go play basketball. And uh, as we were, I was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I was super out of shape, but I was like, yeah, why not? We get there, we get to St. Thomas's basketball gym, and he says, hey, just so you know, David doesn't want to be on your team. Now, that sounds super harsh, but let me give some backstory here. The reason why David didn't want to be on my team was because David was in my discipleship group, and if you know David, David's a super competitive dude. And with, that, with me knowing that, I wanted to get underneath David's skin. Any opportunity to get, I would talk trash about how I would cross him up on the basketball court. I would say things like, hey, man, I'll bring a stretcher so that when I cross you up, we can just take you to the hospital. I have 911 on speed dial. I'll bring some crutches. You don't have to do this. I don't want to end your football career, yada, yada, yada. And so I understood that. And I was like, okay, I knew this day was going to come. Let's see how it shapes out. And we warm up, which is a story for another day. And, guys, when I say 
I have no clue what happened next, but those games of basketball that I played, I felt like Kobe Bryant. I honestly, like, obviously I didn't look like him. I didn't look like him by any means. I was like an off-brand Walmart version, but I was doing things that I was shocked that I was doing. I was hitting every shot, taking it into the lane, pretty crazy. Um, and if you would like more details on that story, you can talk to David or Jalil, and they'll have plenty of uh, illustrations there. Um, so why do I share that story? I don't share that story to tell you that I'm great at basketball because I truly am not, regardless of what David or Jalil will tell you. The reason I tell you that story is because imagine if I just told you that I could beat David in a game of basketball. You wouldn't have necessarily believed me because all you would have is my word. I would have had, I wouldn't have had anything to back up what I said. Now, the this is begs the issue of credibility. I would have lacked credibility. And I think this is not just an issue when it comes to this funny story, but this is an issue when it comes to Christianity. Some of you struggle with Christianity because you've seen people who go to church on Sunday or maybe have in their Instagram bio a Bible verse, but Monday through Saturday they live a completely different lifestyle. Francis Chan has a quote about these kind of Christians. He calls them lukewarm. He says, lukewarm people don't really want to be saved from their sin. They want only to be saved from the penalty of their sin. They don't genuinely hate sin and, true, and aren't truly sorry for it. They're merely sorry because God is going to punish them. Lukewarm people don't really believe that this new life Jesus offers is better than the old sinful one. This is what we call lukewarm Christianity, and truthfully, it is not Christianity. Another one that you may have seen or experienced are Christians who uh, do good things, but really for the clout. You know what I'm saying? Like the ones who maybe go and feed the hungry, and then the next thing you know, it, they have it on their Instagram story. Look at me feeding this homeless person, you know? Um, or the person who should be going overseas. By the way, our overseas team just came back from Africa. Make some noise. Come on. And so this illustration has nothing to do with them. But the person who goes overseas to go share the gospel, really not to share the gospel at all, but really to post pictures on Instagram to show people that they're doing the Christian thing with some cheesy tagline that says, I thought they were going to change me, but they actually, I, well, anyways. Um, and so we call, that's, that's just boastful Christianity. The third one you may have interacted with are the Christians who maybe have a bunch of rules, right? They say, uh, I don't listen to this kind of music. I don't watch this kind of movie. I don't. And truthfully, guys, I want to say that there's nothing wrong with having those convictions. But when you turn those convictions into law, we run into a problem. And that problem is you're playing God. And this kind of Christian, instead of that helping them grow towards purity and holiness, it ends up, they end up being arrogant and proud. Instead of being loving and humble, they end up just being people who look down on other people, even though they are broken themselves. This is not just a reality for some Christians. This is a reality for us all. Either we abuse grace and live how we want to live, 
or we're so dogmatic that we miss the grace of God. We are all subject to lukewarm Christianity or hypocritical Christianity. The big idea for tonight is that we are called not to just be people who hear the good news, who hear the gospel, but people who are deeply transformed by it. And so we'll look here at point number one, what it looks like to be humble hearers. And we'll look at verses 19 through 21 for this. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So James, right off the bat, he's trying to help Christians see what it looks like to be a hearer of the word. Someone who has humility, right? And so he describes it, a hearer as someone who is quick to hear the word of God and also quick to listen to others. Someone who is slow to speak so that they can hear the word of God and listen to others. Someone who is slow to anger so they don't sin against God and others. And someone who gets rid of the evil sin in their lives so that they're able to live in right relationship with God and others. And someone who humbles themselves in order to receive the word of God from either directly his word or from your brothers and sisters in Christ. The interesting thing here is that James seems to have an order, has an order to all these things. So we'll start with the first one. He says first, be quick to listen. This one is huge, and I feel like it sets us up for the rest of them. Now, before I get into this, how many of you are bad listeners? Raise your hands. Okay, so like three of us, and the rest of you are lying. I know it for a fact. If you think I'm capping, ask your parents. They'll tell you that you're all liars. The reality is we are all far worse listeners than we think we are. Instead of listening to how God defines us and calls us to live, we would rather listen to how the world calls us to live. Instead of seeking to understand and lovingly listen to those who are hurting, maybe against the gospel, or just want to be heard, we are quick to give an answer. Now, I want to give some more examples of what a bad listener and what a good listener looks like. Someone who is a bad listener is someone who wants to argue with everyone they disagree with. It's like fight on sight. Like we are throwing hands if you disagree with me. A good listener is someone who w- listens to someone even though they disagree with them for the sake of understanding where the other person is coming from. A bad listener is someone who would rather listen to some person on TikTok talk about what it means to believe in God and live the life that God has called us to live. A good listener is someone who would go straight to the word of God and allow God to define himself and allow him to show them how they're called to live. Now, I want to make a note here in that there are a lot of great Christian influencers on social media who are pointing people to the good news. I am not trying to discount them. I also want to say there's a lot of bad ones out there. But the point I'm trying to make is that should not be your diet for consuming the word of God. His word should be. A bad listener is someone who is quick to give an answer to someone who's sharing maybe something hard, 
or maybe confessing a sin, a good listener is someone who is not trying to come up with an answer on the spot, but is just going to hear the person out. And now a good sign that you're a good listener is, let's say someone's talking, and as they're talking, something comes up. Instead of interrupting them, you just let that thought go. And if you forget what you're going to say by the end of it, you've accomplished being a good listener. That's for free. A humble hearer, guys, is out of a love for God and his people, is willing to listen to God because of their love for him. And as a result, will be able to love others well. We must be willing to listen because God is always speaking, and what he has to say is far more important than what we have to say. And so it's really interesting. It seems to be like some kind of pace here in how James seems to talk. He first says, be quick to listen. But then he says, be slow to do two things. And the two things he says to be slow to is to be slow to speak and slow to anger. Because if you are talking, how are you listening? Like, I don't know how many of you guys are able to listen and talk at the same time. But if you can, once again, you're in the group with the people who have never heard this saying, I want to meet you. Because that's impossible. But as someone who loves to talk, I'm going to share a story with you guys, a moment of authenticity with you guys. I am a terrible listener. And a way that the Lord has reminded and showed me that is through my wife. She has come to me countless times with something hard that she's dealing with. And instead of just sitting there and listening to what she has to say, I am so quick to try and give an answer and fix the problem. She's not asking for an answer. She's just asking for 10. We must be slow to speak so that we can truly hear and understand the word of God and in order to love him and others. With that being said, another way of loving people around us and God is being slow to anger. I feel like that one is pretty straightforward. Because the antithesis of being slow to anger is being quickly angered. Quick anger causes you to sin. And at the heart of quick anger is a defensive nature of trying to defend something that is near and dear to you. Something that you have ultimately found some identity in. A way of fighting that is being slow to anger. Now, notice James doesn't say here that you are to be not angry. He just talks at the pace as to which you are to be angry. He says, slow anger allows you to hear the words of God. Slow anger allows you to process the emotion of anger so that you don't sin against other people. And so that you are able to see what the Lord is using this emotion to show you. Another thing here that James points out, and it's the last thing that he points out, is that we must have humility in order to receive the word of God. Guys, I don't know how many times I have maybe come to the word of God 
with this attitude of, oh, man, I've heard this story a million times. Yes, David takes down Goliath. I get it. I get it. He becomes king of Israel. I get it. I get it. That is actually very proud. Coming to the word of God with humility is understanding that there are depths to the truths of God's word. And that God's word, the truths in God's word can be applied in different seasons of our lives. And so we must be willing to come to the word of God with humility, but we also must be willing to listen to others who share the words of God with us with humility. Or else we are missing out on an opportunity to grow in our relationship with him. Being a follower of Jesus is not just listening to the words, to his words, but it's also actively living them out. And so being a follower of Jesus is also known as not being a fake follower, but being a real follower. And fake followers only listen. Real followers actually do. And we'll see that here in point two. Being intentional doers. And we'll read verses 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and preserves it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So James continually makes it clear here that we're not to just be hearers of the word, but we're also to be doers of the word. And what does a doer look like? Well, he says, a person who looks at the law of liberty and preserves in it. A person who does not forget what they see and hear as a result of looking intently at the law of liberty, also known as the word of God. Someone who does, does something as a result of encountering the word of God. James is reminding us that we can't just hear the word of God, but we must, have, we must be willing to apply the words of God. Now, to unpack this a little bit, I want to point out that James makes a contrast between the person who looks in the mirror and then the person who looks at the law of liberty. The person who looks in the mirror, if you notice in that, ver- in that passage, he says, they look and forget what they see. For a person to look at a mirror and forget what they see, two things need to be true. They don't see anything wrong. So they don't feel the need to do anything about what they see. But the reality is, for each and every one of us, we are far worse than we actually think we are. Whereas if the person looks at the law of liberty intently, they're able to see something good. And not only are they able to see something good, but they're able to be transformed by what they see. Doing the word of God only comes when you have heard the word of God as a result of hearing it. When you have been changed by the word of God, you live a life transformed and you end up doing what God has called you to do. Not out of, oh, I have to do this, but you do it because you genuinely love God. And out of a deep love of God, you're able to love his people so well. And the last point of tonight is what, that we're going to look at is what it means 
to be a real Christian? Or what does real Christianity look like? Um, Third point of tonight is true religion. And we'll look at the last two verses. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained from the world. This passage summarizes what happens when you go from hearing the word and doing the word. And so if I was to break down what James is saying here, he says, first, there needs to be a controlling of the tongue, or I like to say, watch your mouth. The next needs to be, you need to be pure and undefiled, so you need to be pursuing holiness. The third one is caring for the orphans and the widows. James is saying that if you really want to know what real Christianity looks like, it's one that is transformed, is a person that is transformed deeply by the gospel and as a result lives out the faith that they claim. Now I want to make it clear here, this is not what he's talking about. It's not just going to church on Sunday. It's not just having this one-on-one relationship with the Lord. It's not just coming to Saul Company. It's not just reading your Bible. It's not just doing a bunch of these religious activities. Though I want to say those things are good and important, but it's not just those things. It's definitely not allowing sin to run rampant in your life. It's watching what you say about people. It's not swearing. It's not using lewd language. It's not gossiping about other people. But what it is, is that you go to church on Sunday, you hear the word of God, emphasis on word of God being preached, and you allow that word to wash over you Monday through Saturday. You allow the words of God to transform you every single day that week. It is caring for the weak and the vulnerable in our city. Guys, they're all around us. We see them. Or maybe it's sitting by that one person who's sitting by themselves at lunch. Sitting by themselves in your classroom. It's looking for ways to love your coworker, your classmates, your teammates. Ultimately, It's not just having this relationship with the Lord that just stays there, but it's having a relationship with the Lord that transforms you so much that you want to go and share that with other people. And so what you're going to do is you're going to find ways to love people the way that Jesus did when he was here. Guys, I don't know. This is probably what you're thinking. Christianity is not cool. It's not cool. It's not easy. Truthfully, Christianity was never meant to be cool or easy. God has not called us to be cool Christians, but he has called us to be faithful Christians. If you're here tonight, you're probably thinking, Timmy, I hear you. I feel convicted by the words of James, but I fail every single day. How am I expected to do this? And the answer I have for you is you're right. I fail every single day. We all fail every single day. But there's good news. Come on, there's good news. 
And the good news is that in order for us to be good hearers and doers, someone had to do it first. Jesus did it first. Jesus embodied everything that James has called us to live out. So the work has already been done. And the good news continues in that once we have put our faith in him, we now have the strength, the ability to live this life of faithfulness. So I'm going to go ahead and call the band up. And before I end, I have some questions for all of you. As you're thinking tonight, what are some areas in your life, some sin that inhibit or stop you from humbly hearing the word of God and allowing that to transform the way you live? What is it that you need to lay at the feet of Jesus? Guys, God loves you so much that he is not willing to allow you to stay where you are. He wants to give you life, and that is only found in him. Does that mean that once we become a Christian, everything is going to be perfect, everything is going to be good? No. It's not a straight line to a good life. It's actually more hills and valleys. But you're moving in a direction. You're moving towards holiness. And you're, you're, living, you're heading towards a life set apart, a life of life, life of life, and not one of death. Because of his life, death, and resurrection, we are covered by his blood. When we give our lives to him, he is able to do far more than you and I can imagine in us and through us. Let me go ahead and pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you for giving us this good news. Despite the trials and tribulations, despite our failures, Father, you pursued us and said, I want to have a relationship with each and every one of you. We didn't deserve it. Yet you said, I love you. You loved us so much that you sent Jesus, your son, to show us how to live this life, the beauty in the life of your son, and he died on a cross, a painful death. But the good news here, Father, is that he didn't stay on the cross. He was resurrected. And now we have this opportunity to have this beautiful relationship with you, and that when you see us, you don't see our failures, you see your son, Jesus. So Father, I just pray that we don't take your word for granted. We don't take this life you've given for, to us for granted. That we seek to find joy in you. Find everything we need in you. And I pray this in your name. Amen.